0: JSA Radio, where you are family, I'm Rion, and here's some of the highlights from the Workday Jive for the week of November the 2nd. We spoke to Warren Witcher, Managing Director of Out TV, about the future of this channel and how it all came about. JSA Radio, where you are family, I'm Rion, and we are talking to Warren Witcher, the Managing Director of Out TV. How did our TV come about?
1: Morning, Rian. Firstly, thank you for having me on the show. It's a, it's a great honor to be on such an established media play within the South African landscape, so I really appreciate it. RTVT, labor of love, eh? Six-year story. I mean, we, we applied for a pay TV license back in 2012, had to jump through four years' worth of regulatory hoops for a car firm, and finally issued a license in late 2015. Since then, it's been a, a constant discussion with various other stakeholders, including broadcasters, telco companies, etc., to get a platform deal going so we could get the channel up and up and running. So, I mean, RTV is definitely not just a, a, a new player in the market. It's something we've been working on for the last six years. How is the brand growing? fantastically well. So obviously, um, we're we'll part of the global RTV brand, which is obviously headquartered out of North America. And I mean, globally, RTV growing, is growing at an amazing rate. I mean, they've just launched this year alone in Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, uh, Germany, and they've just done a global deal with uh, Amazon to take them to another 28 countries. And then obviously, South Africa. So I mean, the the brand itself globally is growing fantastically well. Obviously, it's a brand new brand. Within the South African market, but if this last month is anything to go by, it's going gangbusters. I mean, the, the positive sentiment has been absolutely overwhelming. So, you started this channel six years ago. Tell us more about that. For sure, you, we did. So, when we applied for a pay TV license back in 2012, we immediately entered into a partnership with the Global RTV Network, and it's always been our intention to launch the brand and the channel in the country.
0: And then a month ago, this actually happened, and you say it's been a thundering success.
1: Thundering success. And I mean, I must, I must commend DSTV as a broadcast partner. They've been fantastic. They've done everything in their power to, to make RTV a successful be. And what packages on DSTV is the channel viewable? At the moment, it's only on DSTV Premium and Compact Plus, but we are in discussions to to bring it onto Compact as well because there, there's been overwhelming feedback from the market that, that they'd like the channel on Compact. So so the idea is to have it in as broad a variety of the as possible. But for now, it's only on Premium and Compact Plus. For South Africans, this is a huge step. How does T
0: V add diversity and inclusion?
1: For me, it, it's really got to do with the stories. You know, like, I mean... You can only watch the the same thing on TV so many times. Our TV brings a completely fresh and new perspective. The other thing is that um, obviously it, it tackles issues like you know homophobia in the media, trans representation in the media. We we all know the story. You know there's you know our existing broadcasters they they take the plunge and they create stories with LGBT characters or, or themes, but then they put it on at ten o'clock at night. So you know you know it, it helps address those types of issues. So it just it just puts it out there for everyone to, who's interested, it's great entertainment, and you know it's, it's something different and fresh in the market, so we're very proud of that.
0: content wise what can we expect to see on it?
1: So you know because it was a pop up channel just for the month of October, it was very difficult to invest in in local content, so so the channel at the moment is is pretty much all international, but that will change. That being said though, the international content is absolutely fantastic. I mean, RTV Global has been in operation for sixteen years. They've cornered the market for for, for this, well, within the LGBT space. Everything from fantastic movies to drama series, reality shows, travel, lifestyle, fashion, all the rest. So at the moment the schedule is is, is actually pretty cool. I mean, Monday nights are our drama series nights, we've got great shows like Wentworth and Hidden and Birth. Uh, Tuesday we've got some of the British classics like Queer as Folk. Wednesdays are drag nights, so Wednesdays we've got Big Frida Dragula, as you mentioned, which is a fantastic show. It's, a, it's a, the global search to find the next super monster, which is really really exciting. <laughs> Thursdays are our independent movie nights. Um, Fridays is reality TV, which which has got shows like Finding Prince Charming and those kind of uh, those kind of things. Uh, Saturdays um, Saturdays are a, a, a hodgepodge of everything, so we've got things from pet programming to lifestyle programming to travel programming. Sundays are documentaries. So we've got uh, the very, very successful outspoken documentary series on, on a Sunday. And then we've also got an RTV original series uh, called Sex and Violence with uh, Oscar winner Olympia Dukakis at the show around um, rape survivors, et cetera, et cetera. Very hard-hitting, very powerful show. So the schedule is really, really, really strong at the moment. But... As if we become a permanent fixture on DSTV, obviously we're going to start investing in local content and start telling South African stories. So I'm very excited to see how the schedule is going to change going forward.
0: What are your long term goals? Are you going to go on longer than a month? So
1: we're in discussions with DSTV at the moment to make the channel permanent. We're just going through the commercials, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, the point of the pop up was to test the market appetite, and I mean, the overwhelming feedback and, and sentiment has been yes, there's a clear market desire for the channel, which is great. That's the first step. Now, now it's about you know betting down schedules, EVG slots, you know, uh, bouquet carriage, all those kind of things, which you' are busy with. And I mean, our like I said previously, has been absolutely amazing. So, so yes, the intention is to have the channel permanently on air, as well as introduce you know. Um, subscription and demand services and over-the-top services in partnership with a couple of the telcos. So we're in discussions with Vodacom and Telcom at the moment as well to try and get the channel and the the content distributed as widely as possible. So I think they're looking exciting, very exciting.
0: Can you talk more about the plans for local content?
1: Yes, of course. So, I mean, obviously, as as a subscription license holder, we're obligated to carry local content over the long term. Unfortunately, the, you know, the license condition is only 10%. We are we, we, you know, looking to invest significantly more in local content. We reckon about between 30 and 40% of the channel as local content would be the perfect mix. And I mean, if I can tell you the amount of proposals for, for ideas and stories you received just in this last month, you, you wouldn't believe me. Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds. So there's a clear indication that, there's, there's, that the market has really strong ideas and really strong stories that they want to tell, and that's what we're going to invest in. Well, that's the idea.
0: Will our TV be partnering with other existing media players? Yes, of
1: course. I mean, the whole idea is not to eat anybody's lunch. It's just to try and make the, the, the community stronger. So, I mean, I personally have been meeting with many, many existing media players over the last couple of weeks, you know, building relationships, et cetera, et cetera, and, and looking for ways that how we can create a whole that's stronger than the sum of its parts. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's many ways to look at that. There's co-production opportunities. There's uh, co-commercial opportunities. We we definitely looking to, to build strong relationships with existing players and seeing exactly what what we can make of this market. So yes, definitely.
0: Where can people find out about our TV on DSTV um, channel
1: one nine eight on DSTV? And I mean, for any other information, they are welcome to join. Uh, check out the website at www.rtvza.com. All the information, schedule, show synopsis, trailers, etc., are, are on the website. I'm sure that everybody will find something to watch.
0: Great stuff.
1: Warren, thank you. Rion, thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Geyser Radio, we you of family. I'm Rion, and that was Warren Witcher, the Managing Director of Our TV, talking to us. Then our business and life coach, Paula Quincy, spoke to us about boundaries in the workplace and how to sometimes... Not cross those. JSA yes. yes. Radio, where you are, family. I'm Rion and I am talking to Paula. Welcome again, Paula.
2: Thank you so much. Good to be
0: here again. I can't wait. Every week, sitting die, right <laughs> yeah, you, here? and we get to talk about all these interesting stuff. The last week, we started talking about boundaries. Yes. And I actually want to pursue boundaries this week. What is a corporate boundary in this, in this sense? If you need to put down a corporate boundary, what is it and how?
2: So corporate boundaries for me would be either from a personal point of view where something is happening in the workplace and it goes against your core value system. For example, maybe it's unethical behavior. Nobody likes to be a tale or a whistleblower, but maybe you need to speak about it and speak up and speak out. And that's not a comfortable thing to do. On, in other instances, it could be potentially that a colleague or a boss or somebody is constantly throwing work your way and you're just feeling snowed under. And up until that point, you haven't been able to say no. And so how do you put that boundary down by going uh, enough is enough? It could also be with conflict. But a lot of corporates have governance and guidelines and processes and procedures, which are boundaries indirectly anyway. Are we following those? Processes and procedures, because they guide us. Those are boundaries.
0: What kinds of corporate boundaries do you deal with?
2: Mostly, it's around um, conflict and uh, bullying and toxic corporate culture.
0: And that's something we're still going to talk, talk about, because yes. that's an interesting one: toxic corporate culture.
2: Yeah, and I'm wondering if any of the listeners have had any experience with that and what their thoughts and views are.
0: I think we should put it out at some of them and ask them. Do you, firstly, do you know a toxic? corporate culture is and well, let's see next week what they Please. say yes Uh coming back to boundaries how would one address these boundaries with both staff and then obviously management
2: so it always starts with leadership you know just as parents set the tone for children to thrive and grow in the home environment leaders set the tone for employees to grow and thrive in the work environment If leaders are not walking the talk, if they are not living the values, if they are not enforcing the boundaries and being role models and examples themselves, you can't expect employees to do that because then it's double standards as far as I'm concerned.
0: That is double standards. And then it raises the issue then, how would you uh, address the boundaries, both with staff and with
2: management? It would start with leadership because leadership, as I said, they pave the way for others and If they are not living the boundaries, then they can't expect employees to do it. So they need to start changing their own behavior first. They need to lead by example. And then how are they going to hold each other accountable from a leadership team, first of all, in terms of calling each other out on their behavior, but then filter that down to the workforce to say, you know, this is the way that we will be living and behaving and this is the organizational culture that we want to create And collaborate together with employees and get everybody's buy-in so that everybody's on the same page and then reward good behavior, but also call out negative behavior or the behavior that we don't want.
0: And we're so quick to focus on what we don't want, huh? Very much so. What would be the ideal outcome once corporate boundaries have been dealt with?
2: It would be, how are you measuring it that you're sustaining it and living it every day? And how are you incorporating it into all the touch points? So, for example, in your meetings, in the way you treat people, in the way you treat customers and suppliers, in uh, the, the values of the company, the, how you discipline people in the workplace, um, how you reward and recognize people in the workplace. If there is consistency, if there is transparency, and if there is an openness then it can only create a healthy culture.
0: People kind of sitting here listening to us talking right now and who are experiencing any of these uh, boundary problems, what advice would you have for them?
2: I would say, first of all, sit down and reflect on what exactly is it that you're experiencing? What is it that is making you unhappy? Is it something that you can do something about? Can you change it? Let's say, for example, it's company policy. And you can't change company policy. You have two choices. You can either change your behavior and your attitude towards that policy and find a way to make it work, or you can choose to leave the environment.
0: Certain boundaries that are not necessary in the workplace, is there such a thing?
2: I think when you, when you try and police people or micromanage people, that's going to cause conflict and it's People don't thrive under those. Not everybody. There's a difference between micromanaging people and having a structured environment. Some people work very well under a structured environment. Structured environment means giving someone guidance, giving someone insight as to the steps that they should follow. Micromanaging or policing someone is completely different, and that causes conflict. And if you're feeling like you're being micromanaged, then you need to have that conversation with the person and give them an opportunity to change because they may not be aware that they are micromanaging you. It may just be their natural management style. And try and work together to find a solution. And if you can't and you really are unhappy It's not worth being unhappy and unmeasurable, especially if you are spending eight plus hours a day in that work environment and you are going to take it home and it is going to impact your personal life. If that is starting to happen, you need a question whether you still want to be in that environment.
0: Great. And that is what we are going to talk about next week. Toxic corporate environments. Paula, thank you so much for your time once again. Thank you. It was awesome chatting to you and I'll see you again next week. JSA yes, Radio, you are family. That was Paula Quincy, our life coach and relationship expert. They're all about boundaries. Beatlemania is happening in Cape Town, and Joe Kane from that show spoke to us about his role as Paul McCartney. JSA yes, Radio, you are family. I'm Ryan, and I am talking to Joe Kane, the lead singer of Beatlemania. Hello, how are you? I'm great, man.
3: Yeah, just off the plane from the UK, so. I'm uh, very excited to be here in Cape Town, being one of the lead singers, because obviously in the Beatles, they're all lead singers. They're and are four. lead horror. singers, you're absolutely right. And it's your first time in South Africa? No, this is my fifth time in South Africa, and it's great to be back. <laughs> Every
0: time excited to be here?
3: Yeah, no, I love coming. South Africa is one of my favourite places to go, so yeah, it's great to be back. Tell me, how did Beatlemania come about? Beatlemania started about 15 years ago, so the show's been running since then. I joined the show back in 2003, so I've been doing it for a while. And uh, this is my second run with the cast. Have you
0: played the same part every time?
3: Uh, no, this is this is my first time in Cape Town, but we've done uh, Gold Reef City, Johannesburg, various places like that. So yeah. Tell me more about the band. Well, the band is basically a high-octane rock and roll review, tribute, full shebang, costumes, multimedia experience, the ultimate tribute to the Beatles. You know, fun for all the family, all ages. It's uh, guaranteed to be the trip of a lifetime all
0: and you all sing and you all play musical instruments
3: yeah no it's all live everything that you hear is done by the, the four band members on stage so you know we're trying to be as authentic as possible and the instruments that we use and the way we sing and the way we present ourselves as the characters as well which is uh, one of the key things about a beatles show because the beatles were all about the dynamic and the chemistry of those four guys so the main thing is to put that together you know as believably as possible
0: Uh, you're currently in Cape Town,
3: when does the show start there? Our first show is on Wednesday, and and we're running for the next two weeks. And it's for two weeks? Are you guys coming up to Joburg? Not at the moment, but we'll probably be back to Joburg some point next year. And what can we expect from the show? Well, the show begins where the Beatles begin in Liverpool. Hamburg. And it's like a kind of rock and roll, kind of the rock and roll roots of the Beatles starting out. And then it moves through their growing success. They go back to Liverpool and the Cavern Club. And then they go to America and do the Ed Sullivan show. So it shows you the growth of the band uh, creatively and success wise, you know, like uh, as Beatlemania, the phenomenon develops. So it's very fast moving. You know, we change costumes every 10 minutes and, you know, the personas develop, so it's a lot of fun. And it's also, you know, very true to the Beatles story as well, so.
0: But that must be exhausting if you change costumes every 10 minutes.
3: Well, it's exhausting if you've not been working out. Obviously, I'm like a trained athlete, you know, I'm very, very fit. And, I, you know, so you have to be fit to be able to do those quick costume changes. I'm very fit, you know, I'm always in the gym, never out of the gym, because it takes a lot of energy to like take jackets on and off. How long is the show? The show's just about two hours long. Yeah, we spend a bit of time on each era. You know, we start off doing the early hits, you know, Love Me Do, Please Please Me. Then we move into kind of, you know, when the Beatles start selling lots of records, Ticket to Ride, Help. And then we do Sgt Pepper and all the psychedelic kind of stuff as well and Let It Be and Hey Jude. They kind of close. So obviously, you know, all the big crowd pleasers.
0: And it's a two hour workout for you.
3: Yep. It's a workout in itself.
0: Do you actually go to the gym when you do shows or is that your workout for the day?
3: Oh no, I have to go to the gym. I'm addicted to the gym. So it's a double workout session then that day when you perform? Yeah, it's a double workout, that's true.
0: What has been the most rewarding place for you to perform and why?
3: Well, I would say the most rewarding place to perform as a Beatles performer is in the Cavern Club in Liverpool. Because that's where the Beatles started and uh, so whenever I go and perform there I always enjoy it because you feel like you're close to the source and it's uh, the heritage of that place, It's, it's legendary. So that for me is a very rewarding place but it's also nice to go to countries like South Africa where obviously the Beatles weren't as big a thing here at the time for a lot of people so to be able to bring that music and put it in a live context and show people what it was all about can be quite rewarding because then they get to see the Beatles in a way you know they've never seen because they only know the records or whatever so that's always nice because in a lot of places you know in, in the US and in Australia and the UK the Beatles tribute thing is saturated but you don't have it so much here so it feels like it's a fresh a fresh market to kind of play to and that's always a nice thing as well. Now, you've played
0: various concerts and various things. What is the strangest thing that ever happened to you at a
3: concert? When we were in Canada, a woman took her fake leg off and (laughs) got us to sign her fake leg. Her prosthetic leg. (laughs) Yep. And then the next night, a woman gave us the order of service from her husband's funeral, who had died a couple of days earlier and wanted us to sign that as well. They do things differently in Canada.
0: Apparently so. Now how would you handle, let's say you are in the middle of a performance and you are doing your thing and suddenly the biggest gay fan in the world jumps out and he runs on stage and he goes,
3: oh my God, Joe, I love you so much, sign my bum. What will you do? I would definitely sign his arse, right? I mean I've uh I don't mind and it wouldn't be the first arse that I've signed live on stage, I'll tell you that. So that's never
0: happened before. No arse is signed. No,
3: it has. It actually has. Uh, in my in my own band one time a guy got up and we signed his, his, his bottom. So no, it wouldn't be a first, put it that way. Shit, I'll uh, have to be
0: more I'll have to be more kind of original about this one and when you guys come out up to Joe Big I'm gonna get you on that. <laughs>
3: yeah if you can get on stage without getting kicked out then definitely
0: i can uh, manage to yeah. do strange things hey eh? so coming back to what is your most iconic
3: beatles song that's a very hard question for me like any time that you do an interview someone always asks what's your favorite beatles song and what's your favorite beatles album and as someone who has grown up obsessed with the beatles i find it it's very hard it's like trying to pick a favorite child But, you know, I love, I genuinely love every song and every album. Like, I'm a really big fan. And it just depends. Like, there's different ones I like for different reasons. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's ones that I particularly love performing, like, for many different reasons. Like, Hard Day's Night is a song that I love because I don't feel I've really got the show going yet until I play that song. For me, as a performer, they they all have a different place. And it's, you know, it's always a a pleasure. People always say, do you get sick of playing Beatles songs? And I, I don't, ever. Like, I love it. It's magic. Did you grow up listening to the Beatles? My mum and dad were not Beatles fans. I seen the Beatles on television when I was about 11, and uh, I just became instantly obsessed with them and I had to get a guitar. So I kind of learned everything from listening to them.
0: What is it like now actually doing it compared to when you were watching it as a child, thinking, you know, I would love to do that. What, What, what is it like?
3: Well, the difference is back then in the 90s, you didn't have YouTube, and you didn't have all these different ways of listening and dissecting the music. So, back then, all you had was the records and the films. So, to actually pick out parts and work out how stuff should be played was much more difficult. So, when I started doing Beatles stuff about 10 years ago, you know, YouTube was a place to check out because there was a lot of people talking about how to play things. There was a lot of people talking about the harmonies, you know, and why things sound the way they do on Beatles records because it's not always easy to pick it out, you know, and it's not music that's like scored or can be scored very well, because it's very much feel music rather than technical music. So that's the difference, I would say, from when I got into it. Like, it's much more accessible now. What made you decide to come back to South Africa? Uh, money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good yeah, answer. It looks, uh, you know, it's my job. Like So uh, basically, someone says, do you want to come and do this run of gigs? And I say, yes, please, because it's fun and you get paid. So... And I'll always always come back to South Africa because I'll always have a good time here. The audiences are great and people are generally very nice.
0: Give me those dates you're performing again. You're starting this coming Wednesday.
3: Wednesday until the 11th of November. November. And that's
0: in Cape Town. Where in Cape Town? Artscape Theatre. Okay. And if people want to get tickets, how do they go
3: about that? Tickets are available online. Computicket.com.
0: Okay. Um, So we can get tickets at Computicket and kind of just click on the Beatles show the yeah. Beatlemania you can
3: roll up to the theatre and buy some tickets on the door as well you know what I mean Like uh, just come and, come and get the Beatles you get a free bum signing with every ticket <laughs> as well. tell all your fans orderly queue at the front of the stage
0: I am going to put this out on air and um, you know what you're going to suffer the consequences okay. two all th-
3: cheeks for the price of one
0: <laughs> What can we expect from the band members for the future?
3: Well, I don't know. More Beatles. Uh, this is it for me. Like, I, I make my own music as well. You do? Tell uh, me a bit about that. Well, I just released an album on Friday, actually. So that's available on Spotify now. Listeners, go and listen to it. And what's that's it, what I do.
0: What is it called? It's,
3: it's called Joe Kane forward slash Radiophonic Tuck Shop. And it's uh, a lot of fun, and it's kind of like the Beatles, but with a bit of a modern twist to it as well. And
0: it's done by you as Joe Kane? Yes. Great. I am going to definitely take a listen to that. Yeah, check it out. Joe, thank you so, so much for your time, and uh, I really hope the concert is a rocking success, and we can't wait to see you guys back up here in Joburg.
3: Great stuff, man. Thanks
0: for calling. Appreciate it. Gayser Radio, your family. I'm Rian, and that was Joe Kane from the Beatles Mania Show. So uh, if you are in Cape Town, and uh, you can make sure that you get those tickets. And Jason Fiddler continues his discussion with us about employing people in your small business. Gayser Radio, your family. I'm Rian, and we are talking to our solutionsmith, Jason Fiddler. And uh, we are continuing a discussion from last week, Jason, about employing people.
4: Yes, love the challenge. Love, it, love, love being put in the hot seat. Thanks, Ria. Oh, that's just a great pleasure.
0: Yes. I think <laughs> you know we we've spoken now about legalities and stuff and what to look at. But what would the steps be if you employ somebody? If you are you, you've got to add out there, what steps would you follow?
4: Well, uh, you've got to be prepared for the kind of response that you're going to get for your advert. So depending on what medium you've put it out on, whether it's in the newspaper or a Gumtree advert or what have you, um, you're definitely going to be faced with quite a number of responses. So you, the first thing is that these people have taken the time to respond to your ad. You need to take them seriously. Um, you, you do need you, – you have a responsibility to wade through the CVs and the applications in order to get to the person that you're looking for you have to be impartial don't be sitting there and applying your personal prejudice whether it's gender sex race religion it doesn't matter you're looking for the for the human being with the skill set to do what the business requires strip away the person personal requirements out of it don't be looking for somebody that's oh they're pretty what a lovely photograph on their cv i'm going to hire them can't do it on that basis you know, you can have a beautiful person with an incredible skill set. Great. You can have a really plain looking person who's even better. The, the, you, you're not running a beauty pageant, unless, of course, that's your business, in which case uh, that's an entirely different conversation. Some of the
0: vital questions that you should ask when employing somebody Oof. in the interview
4: process. That is. Well, you, you, okay, so, so you've whittled down your, 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 um, your CVs. You're certainly not going to call them to a face-to-face interview start, straight away. You know, I would I would set out probably five or six important questions that are relevant to the job, and relevant to the company. And you, you phone them and you do a little bit of a pre-telephone interview to say, I just I'd like to ask you some questions before I decide to proceed. The person is then obliged to give you an honest answer. Sometimes you're catching them on the hook. But the point is, it's a starting point, because when you get to the face to face interviews, you want a handful of qualified candidates for the job. And then you take it extremely seriously. You've got to think of yourself as maybe sitting in front of a judge in a court of law. You take it that seriously, that everything you say and do in that interview, quote unquote, could be used against you. So you've got to make sure that it's extremely professional. There's no undertones. There's, you know, we're very exuberant people as LGBTIQ people. We've got to keep it very, very straightforward. Um, no innuendos, no, uh, no, no funny business. You have to be very, very professional when you set the person down, because it also conveys to the employee that you're taking them and the mm. process seriously. That will help you find the right candidate.
0: Now, last week you spoke about checking credentials. Now, yes, the other thing people yes. are putting on these CVs are references. And, you know, I know people don't always check the references. <laughs> Is this important? <laughs>
4: it's so important. And uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was, I was helping a, a, um, a, an organization out, and um, they had a small operational entity within the organization that had an employee. And that management person left the company, and we as the volunteer um, organizers were then asked to do Recruitment, so we brought in a a series of of, uh, CVs and candidates. We had one terrific-sounding candidate, and the one manager decided to do double checks on the references. And the reference sounded just a bit too good to be true. It turned out the person that person that was the referee was in on the act, was actually buttering it up. And again, it's that that use your common sense. If it sounds too good to be Be true. true. it is not true. So, yeah, we, we through that process and, believe it or not, through Facebook, again, very useful tool, we found that this person was, in fact, uh, lying and they didn't get the job.
0: Some of the critical factors to consider when hiring new employees?
4: Reliability, capability, um, honesty, uh, dependence, you know, de- dependability. Um, somebody that if they're going to be working in a group of people, will they be a, a, a team player or will they be an introvert? It's, it's not easy. And, and I promise you, you can hire what you think is the best candidate and everything sounds great. And then down the line, of course, it doesn't work out that way. But that's life. You're dealing with another human being. So be prepared for things not going according to plan.
0: Is it important to issue
4: an appointment later? Critically important. Why? It's, it's a contract. It's a contract. Um, there are two types of contracts in South Africa that, that, you know, if you want to be facetious about it, there's um, tacit and there's express. Tacit means you and I, Rion, have a verbal agreement that I'm going to keep coming and talking to you with these interviews. We have an agreement in place. That's just verbal. There's nothing in writing to prove it. Please don't put anything in writing with me. (laughs) But we could have a written contract Mm. where we both signed and agreed to the terms and conditions. So for employment, it's it's essential. And there are standard employment contracts that you can use and access. So it's critically important. But the letter of appointment sometimes adds to what that contract has. It just kind of sums it up what the spirit of the job will be and what your expectations are. And people sometimes need that letter of employment or the letter of appointment rather than their employment contract to go and get an account opened or whatever, a facility, to say, look, I am employed. It's the same thing as going to the bank and for FICA, you say, well, here's proof of residence. And if you don't own the property, you need a letter from your landlord. So it fits in exactly the same uh, category of importance.
0: I think lastly, and this might sound like a very blunt question, uh, what are some of the options available to advertise new positions in a company?
4: Again, will depend entirely on the type of business. So if you're in a technical or manufacturing side, you are definitely going to look for your employees where you presume they're going to be hanging out either straight out of college or through technical trade journals or drags. But there are very good new job platforms. Um, News24 have a Careers24 platform, which is quite good. The platforms where you have to pay to place the advert are in fact much, much better for you than the um, free Gumtree ads because it's kind of one of those things. um, You want it cheap, you're going to get it nasty. So be prepared as an employer to make a bit of an expenditure to achieve what you want. Not all of us can afford sometimes a few hundred rand or a few thousand rands. If you're in a position to maybe put a few thousand rands into the process, then go through a formal professional recruitment consultancy because I promise you that's going to take a lot of pressure off your time. And your time is money, and this process is very time-consuming.
0: Great. Jason, thank you so much for your advice. My pleasure, Rian. Geysa Radio, where you are family. I'm
1: Rian, and that was our solutions Smith Jason Fiddler, talking to us about hiring employees.